Sign up for that in the foyer today, and you will not regret it. Also, stick around for Next Steps Day 201. I'm going to talk a little more about that here in just a second. We started a series last week that sort of talks about the vision of our church. Our, our vision statement is to love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence. And uh, that's what we're striving to help people do here in our church. And last week we talked about that first thing, love God, that, that for us, a primary mission of the church, I mean, first and foremost, what is the church about? Well, the church is about helping people know God. You know, I mean, if you're a church and people aren't getting saved, that's a social club. That's not a church. I mean, that, I mean it's something. It, it, can't, it can't be a church because there's a, there's a mandate that a, that a principal part of what the church does is help people know God. And we, we say love God. That's a lot of what we do here in our weekend experience, our, our, our worship sets, our songs, the things we, we strive to do. We are, we are attempting to help people think about God as they're here in our weekend experience. And we, we want you to leave this place today and say, hmm, I know something a little more about God today. And I think that's important for the church. But, but then we, we have this, this second thing, and we, we kind of um, put it in our connect with others. And it's that once people know God, then we want to help them find freedom. And we're absolutely convinced. I'm going to talk a lot about today, so real quick little blurb here in the beginning just just to help us kind of get on track, that, that we believe the, the best place for somebody to find freedom in their life is, is through connecting with others. That there's an enormous amount of freedom that comes to someone's life when you are involved in relationships where people can help you in the various areas of your life, and certainly in accountability. I thank God for the accountability people that I have in my life, that there are people who can, who can pick up a phone and they can call and ask me questions and, and I feel very comfortable to answer those questions honestly with them because they're a part of that circle in my life. And so we believe that as you connect with others that that is a tremendous avenue for you to find freedom in your life. And then thirdly, for us, serve with excellence, we, we want to help you discover your purpose. And the way that you discover your purpose or for us to serve with excellence is, is, is first and foremost to go through our Next Steps program. And in Next Steps 201 today, there's a couple of things that happens in that that, 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 that really does help you out. Number one, you, you kind of get the opportunity to learn your personality. So what personality type am I? And it's very remarkable for me. I mean, just recently in the doctoral program at ORU, uh, they, they had us go through a new disc profile, and, and I was really kind of stunned that my profile is reading a little differently than it read four years ago. I mean, it really answered a lot of questions for me. Matter of fact, it was exciting because in, in one sense of the word, it kind of explained why I've been acting the way I've been acting lately. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like who is that guy? And, and then I take this personality profile, and I realized that maybe it's my stage in life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 50 years old next year. Um, I am very excited. I'm a 50-year-old pastoring an extremely youthy church. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and that's always been, even when I was in my 30s, I was making statements about, you know, I mean, the church, 
can't grow old with me. You know what I'm saying? Because then when I'm like 60, I'm like pastoring a nursing home. I mean, there's, I mean, there's nothing. You understand what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? I mean, have you ever, have you ever seen those churches just kind of die with the pastor? You know, they're, they're, you know, the pastor is 70 and the median age of the congregation is 70. And then finally someone just does his funeral and they sell the building and, you know, they mow it down and put a quick trip there. I mean, it's the truth. It happens all the time. Matter of fact, I, I remember I, I read, a, I, I read a, 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 a Tulsa World ran an article about a, about a church in McAllister that, that, um, that very thing happened. They interviewed the two um, 80-year-old ladies that were left. And the church had a 100-year history. And at one time back in the 50s and 60s ran over 500 people. And these ladies were talking about, you know, we really... We probably really should have thought about investing in children's ministry. Because this is our last this is our last time together. And then we close the doors. Because the church the church just got older. Now when I look at this, I'm thinking, wow, this is like really something, you know. That's why I wore my blue shoes today. So It's very important for you to understand how you're wired. What is my personality type? Because, because that helps you do this last thing, and that is to make a difference. And we, we tie that in with serve with excellence as well. That, that you know what? You find your purpose so that you can make a difference. And there is no place on the face of the planet that is as important as making a difference for the kingdom of God. Because what we are doing in the church doesn't just affect this life. It affects eternity. So we want people to make a difference. And in order to make a difference, you have to kind of figure out, how am I wired? And so in, that, in, that, in our next steps, 201 today, we're going we're gonna to have you not only fill out a, a, a disc profile where you kind of find out your personality, but we also take you through a spiritual gift inventory because we believe that it's very important for, for you to make a difference in, in, in people's lives. And, and the best way for you to make a difference in people's lives is for you to be operating in your gift rather than, you know, uh, something else. Years ago, we had a person here at the church that, I mean, I really don't know if I should tell this story. I've questioned myself now a second time, but, but uh, she, th- th- this lady was, was, was our main greeter, and, and back in those days, if you were a guest to the church, you not only filled out a guest card, but you had to sign the guest book. <laughs> and you laugh. But, but it, you know, they would come in, and, and there was this table, and this lady was standing there, and, and she would go, Ah, you're new. You need to sign the book. And they would go, But we don't want to sign the book. She says, But you have to sign the book. But we don't want to sign the book. But you will sign the book. But we don't want to sign the book. And I watched her on more than one weekend chase people down the center aisle of the church with that book in her hand. You will sign this book! (laughs) Consequently, they didn't come back. And then we started discovering as we were using the book to call people back that they were giving fake names, fake addresses, and fake phone numbers. (laughs) You know, it's like, 
Hello, is Sue there? Sue who? Sue Black. There's no Sue Black at this number. Well, but yeah, you visited, tri- your name of the church wasn't Triumph. You visit such and so church yesterday. We didn't visit no blankety blank church yesterday. Why are you calling me? I had to get that book out of that woman's hands. So I came in on Monday and burned the thing. Yeah, had several people mad about that one. Where's our book? We don't have that book no more. Where'd it go? Up in smoke. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go buy another book. No, we're going to take the table away too. That's like, that, can I just tell this story too? I, I, this is stupid. This is crazy stories. But, but um, it, it kind of reminds me of the day that I personally unscrewed all of the hymnal holders on the backs of the pews. Just came in with a screwdriver and took them out. Everybody showed up to church and there were no hymnals. Made a few people mad that time too. But see, I'm operating in my personality. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me of the day that we took the pews out. (laughs) Yeah, it really goes downhill from here, let me tell you. You know, it's. I like the chairs personally, but anyway. You say, what'd you do with all the hymnals? We donated them. To a church that has 70-year-olds, so just all of everybody's, everybody's, we went with this. It's different. Put words up there on screens by this new device called a computer. <laughs> and here's the deal, is that you don't want to be... You don't want to be involved in something that that leaves no purpose in your life. You have to to figure out what what is my personality? What what is going on in my life? And let me throw this disclaimer out. We have multiple people in this church that are above the age of 65 and 70 that they understand the principle of I get to worship with young people. And it's making a difference in their life. And we love them. Some of the most valuable people on our team are in their 70s. It's the truth. And one of these days, I'm going to be a valuable 70-year-old team member here. It's coming pretty quick. Like extremely quick. Like I thought to myself, I have a 21-year-old son And it just seems like yesterday he was born, and in that same amount of time, I'm 70. Y'all feeling me? It's not about age, it's about mentality. And it's about understanding that that God has purposed us in the church to make a difference. And we as a church have to be positioned to make a difference. And so if you're 15, we want you to make a difference. We want you to be on, 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 a, on a dream team. 
If you're 12, we want you to make a difference. If you're 75, we want you to make a difference. Because there's something very real about the human condition and the human need. And, and there, is this, there is this thing that we are wired by God to make a difference, that our lives mean something. Now, I met one or two people probably in my life that didn't care. They were kind of like a sloth. You know, they just didn't care. Just lay there on the sidewalk and burn in the sun. Spit your life that quick. Have no ambition, no drive. But most people that I know have a desire to look back on their life and say, my life meant something. That I, my life transcended me. There's no greater place to do that than in the kingdom of God for you to make a difference. For it to mean something. See, I recognize as a church in the strongest sense, we are first and foremost a place for people to find Christ. Our primary mission as a church is for people to be saved. But then the responsibility of the church is to help save people find freedom. How then is freedom realized? I think first we have a responsibility to help people take one step and true freedom is found in the company of others. True freedom is realized not as an island, not as me alone, but true freedom is recognized and realized in our lives when we when we make ourselves accountable to others, and we call that connect with others. It's, it's this idea in the church of connect groups, that, that here are groups of people that have similar interests in life, that have chosen to build relationships with one another in order for our lives to be better together. So, I mean, even God looked upon this fantastic creation that, that he made in, in Adam, this man that, that God created in his own image, which is extremely interesting for us to recognize that God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit making up this fantastic connect group. And then God looks down upon that and then creates man in his image and then has to take a step back and say, it is not good for the man to be alone. That we don't do good in humanity by ourselves. That even, even God would recognize that I have so placed within this human being the image and nature of God that this man needs to be with somebody. That this man is not going to realize his potential by himself. And here is a man that walked with God in the cool of the day. In a garden. Had God all to himself. You know when people say, well, you know what? I don't need the church. I don't need to go around a bunch of idiots. I just need me and Jesus. Well, even Jesus... Surrounded himself with 12. Even Jesus was in a connect group. I mean, how do we get in the modern church age this 
idea that we can do Christianity by ourselves. When the Bible is so replete, I tell you, okay, this is going to get ugly. I tell you who makes up those doctrines. People who are like the Grinch who stole Christmas. They get hurt. Hey, listen, I've been hurt in the church. Matter of fact, if you want me to just be real honest with you, most of the pain in my life come from church people. I mean, if I look back on my life and I say, you know what? If I hadn't have been involved with that person and that person, that person, I, I wouldn't even have no pain. But you know what? I've, I've always recognized that, yeah, you can get your feelings hurt and people can be mean. But there is still something extremely valuable about being together. And I, I'm not going to let because somebody did something. Oh, well, okay. And then I'm not going to let somebody else stand back that got their feelings hurt that really need to be a part of an accountability group to say, you know what, I'm just bitter. And from my bitterness, I put Bible studies on the Internet that completely are built around my personal bent against people because I just hate people. And I'm just going to find me some Jesus verses to prove how much I hate people and prove that God hates them too and that just me and Jesus alone in the bedroom. I'm trying to help us out today. We're not good alone. We're, we're not good alone. I, I'm no good alone. You're, you're, you're not good alone. Is, is this too hard for y'all? I mean... First church took it a little better than y'all are. I don't know. I mean, when I look at the picture of the church, which is Christianity, when I look at biblical Christianity, um, here, here's, here's some of the words that, that was used. Paul talked about the church being a body, like a human body. He compared it to the human body. And he says, there's eyes and there's ears and there's smell and there's taste and there's this and and, and he was giving this picture that, that the church isn't a bunch of isolated people that over here and over here and over just one person, one person as an island. He gives this picture that the church is intricately connected with people who are intricately connected with one another. And that the true picture of Christianity is not me being a severed member of the body, but the true picture is that for me to be connected, that the finger is connected to the hand and to the wrist and the leg bones connected to the knee bone. And you, you know what I'm saying. And that, and that we need each other. That, that I, may be, I may be an eye in the body of Christ, but, but I need somebody in this room to, to be connected with me so that there can be smell and that there can be hearing and that there could be a heart and that there could be lungs and all of these things work together. And so when Paul talks about the church, he talked about the church being a body and that we're all members in particular and that we are in the body for one another. Another place Paul talked about the church, he said it was a building that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone that we have built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And he talks about the church being a building now, most of you walked into this building today, and what you see is a building. But if you're a builder, we've got some builders in the house. If you're a builder, if you, really, if you would really allow yourself to think in your, 
in your builder mind, you don't see a building. You see a studded wall that has been painted, and below that paint there is primer, and below the primer there is mud and tape from to, to cover the seams of the sheetrock, and below the mud and tape there is, there is sheetrock, and in intermingling with that sheetrock is screws that are screwing the sheetrock to studs, and the studs are put together by a top plate and a bottom plate. And it takes all of that for that to be a wall. See, that's not a wall until the building's put together. And, 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 and the apostle Paul was saying that we're not the church until the individual members who have particular function get together. And when we get together, we can do amazing things like build a building. But God did not call you to be a two-by-four in a bin at Lowe's. Because a two-by-four by itself in a bin at Lowe's is worthless. It serves no purpose. It takes a builder, and the chief builder of the church is Christ Jesus the Lord. Somehow or another... He brings people together for the church. And, and, and I might be a two-by-four, or I might be a top plate, or I might be uh, a tongue-and-groove piece of ceiling, or I might be a wooden I-beam that is six inches tall that separates the tongue-and-groove ceiling from the deck on the roof, or I might be a part of that deck, or I might be a part of the felt paper that lays on top of the deck because the purpose of the felt paper is that if the shingles fail in some way that the felt paper covers them or I might be a shingle or I or I might be a conduit in the wall I may not be the wire I may not be the one that carries electricity anywhere I mean my job may not be flashy at all but yet because of my conduitness Somebody else who's full of electricity and power can run from that switch to that breaker box to that light. And Paul said, that's the picture of the church. The picture of the church is a building. Never meant for any person to be in isolation. Because God said, it's just not good for man to be alone. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we get a picture of the early church. Those who accepted his message were baptized. If you have not been baptized and you are not, or, or if you've been baptized but you are not satisfied with your baptismal experience, we really encourage you to sign up for baptism coming at the end of this month. Take one step with me. Just take one step with me. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to oh, fellowship. To the breaking of bread. They ate together and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they 
continued to meet together. In the temple courts, they broke bread oh, in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, there's a whole bunch of together in the early church. I mean, when I read that, it's they were fellowshipping together, eating together, praying together, being together, giving together, meeting together, going to each other's houses together, praising God together, growing together. I mean, the picture of the early church is a community of relationships, and it was in the community of those relationships that they found freedom in Christ. We say connect with us. We say love God, connect with others, serve with excellence. All of these functions from worship experiences to connect groups to the dream team help us bring people together. Why? Because we need each other in order to find freedom. Matter of fact, in order to find freedom, people need to be known. Everybody say, I need to be known. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Being alone is a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then listen, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, every level of freedom is found in not being alone. Two are better than one. Three are better than two. This is why we are urging this church to embrace a culture of connect groups. Embrace this culture of connect group that you would make a commitment to either start a connect group doing whatever you already do. I mean, we're not asking you to... If you like to fish, then... Get with some other people that fish and go fishing. I mean, it's just that simple. Why do we want you to do that? Why do we want you to either join a connect group or start a connect group? Because we are absolutely convinced that in order to find freedom, people need to be known. I mean, I think about 12-step programs, and I, I've, I've worked in 12-step programs of Celebrate Recovery. I've, I've helped in, in, in various levels of that and sponsored people in that and, and, and been a part of organizing groups and stuff. And, and I'll say this about 12-step programs. Something they really got right in 12-step programs is the idea that you need somebody. You know? And I mean, I some people that don't understand, they'll make fun of it. But, but, but it's really true. Something really happens in someone's life when they can sit at a table with, with seven or eight other people and go, Hello, my name is Rob, and I have a problem. 
whatever that problem may be. But to just, just be able to verbalize that and then to get people's phone numbers so that, so that when the day's over, they, they tell you this, make a phone call every day, attend a group every week, and, and, and there's hope that you might overcome whatever hurt, habit, or hang-up that you've got pulling you down in your life. But they are so correct in their assessment that true freedom doesn't come in isolation. You don't overcome by yourself. We are meant to be together and true freedom can only be found within the company of others. I mean, I guess it's like cheers. I'll go ahead and thrill all of us in our 50s. Uh, we all need a place where everybody knows our name. I'm going to have a bunch of 30-year-olds binge watch Cheers, aren't I? But We all need some place where everybody knows our name. You say, Pastor, you sure are passionate about that. I'm passionate about it because it's a culture that we need to embrace. We need a place to be known, and that's a connect group. See, but also true freedom to be found in our lives. People need to be healed. How many will agree with that? But check this verse out in James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, in order for me to be healed, there has to be an each other. That's what that verse says. That we confess those things that are dragging us down to each other and we pray for each other. And if we will, if we will do that, if we will find a way in a connect group to just, just to be open, then it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The context of righteous person here is a person who gets with others. Is a person who is willing to get with others. See, healing comes through relationships. And the word clearly states for us to confess and to pray for each other in order for us to be healed. And there is freedom in healing through relationships. We find freedom for every aspect of our humanity. And, and let, me, let me talk about these just for a couple of minutes. The arena aspect of our life is that area where I say what I know and what you know about me. Okay? The arena aspect of my life. In other words, as a pastor, that's, that's the arena aspect. That's one of the arena aspects of my life. I know I'm a pastor, and you know I'm a pastor. And all of us have those areas. Those are kind of like cordial relationships. Just the, the, you don't have to be intimately involved with someone to see the arena aspect of their life. But then there is the mask aspect of, of life. And that is what I know, but you don't know. Literally, you don't know what I don't want you to know. And see, I need to be in accountable relationships where I'm able to take the mask off. And so, and, and so are you. You know, those, those times in our life, how about this, that, that you're able to just get in that connect group and take that mask off and say, I don't want everyone to know this, but I'm, I'm fighting depression. And, and I'm not being helped even with medication. And I just 
would like for somebody to pray with me. See, you, you might come to church and, oh, everything's okay. You think, oh, man, Brother Billy Bob's never down. I mean, I'm talking about old Billy Bob, man. He's the life of the party, but yet there's a mask on in his life, and you don't know what's going on. Every, every one of us need people in our lives where we can take the mask off. Where we can take the mask off. And, and, and more than just our spouse. I mean, I, you know, I, I know that Raylene knows things about me that, that no one else knows. And I get that. But, I, you know, I, I found it be very redeeming to have men in my life that I can talk about. Take the mask off. The other thing is the blind spot. The blind spot aspect of my life is, is you know, but I don't know. See, I have a blind spot in my life with facial expressions. I could be talking about the goodness of the Lord and the joy of the Lord being my strength in a restaurant with my wife. And my facial expressions make everybody think I'm chewing her out. <laughs> know what I'm saying? And, and, and Raylene would go, hey, could you, could you like cut the facial expressions because everybody in this restaurant thinks we're like getting a divorce and you're sitting here talking about the joy of the Lord. Which that might be the joy of the Lord to her. I don't know, but that was a joke. But, you know, but that's a blind spot for me. And, and there are other there's blind spots, there's things that are happening in my life. That I need somebody to be able to say, hey, wait now, hold on a second. You might not should have said that. <laughs> Fourth aspect in our life is our potential. It's what I don't know and what you don't know, but God knows. And I have discovered that our greatest potential is realized in the confines of a small group of people that can push us to our excellent place. That's what connect groups are all about. I need to say this plainly, and I'm closing. Life change happens in relationships. Life change happens in relationships. Finally, in order to find freedom, people need to grow. Would you stand with me? Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. For our men, this is our key verse for our men's conference. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know, in order for me to grow, I need people in my life that can sharpen my edge. They take off the dull spots. Get rid of the get rid of the, the, the things that help me get rid of the things that are causing me to be less effective. In order for grow, we need to be in the company of others. We sharpen each other through relationships. Sharpening takes place in our life that, that cuts away the rough edges. Relationships that create accountability and encouragement. People grow in connect groups. And we want every person in this house to find freedom. Man, I just want to find freedom. I just want you to find freedom. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that your hand would be upon every person that's heard this word today. I'm calling on the name of the Lord that 
you would come and be our helper. We are striving to grow as we are striving to heal. As we are striving to be known. I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus that you would anoint us to be what you have called us to be. And that is the community of the church. I pray over every person in this room today that they would find a willingness in their heart to either start a connect group and lead that group or that they would join a connect group and be a part of that of that already existing thing or somebody else's thing that's being started today in their own heart. I pray that this church would be filled with people who bring Jesus to a hiking trail, to a motorcycle ride, that bring Jesus to a fishing trip or a golf course or a Bible study held in their living room. I pray that you would give these people the encouragement that they need in their spirit to break free of the fear of connecting with others. I pray that you would give us all strength as we strive to be the church you've called us to be, the building, the body, the members. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us reach our potential. In Jesus' name you remain with your heads bowed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start. Would you pray with me for, for salvation, for rededication? Would you pray with me today? Would you just slip a hand up and wave it at me? Thank you. You can put your hand down after you raise it. Don't, don't leave it up. I don't know any other way, those of you that raised your hand just now, than just to lead you in a very simple prayer that's kind of like a kickstart. Would you pray with me? Everybody prays and not embarrass those that raised their hand. Say, Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you look upon my life, that you forgive my sin. I pray right now a dedication. I give my heart to you. I give my circumstances to you. I give everything I have to you. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I thank you for that. I thank you that God raised Christ from the dead for me. And today is my fresh start. In Jesus' name, let's rejoice. Let's thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If our prayer partners, if you're a prayer partner, if you would come forward. While the prayer partners are coming forward, let me say this. In a couple of weeks, we're going to launch a new Connect card. And I want to go ahead and start talking about it now. That we're going to ask if you are an ongoing member of our church, you would fill it out one time with all your information. And then subsequent weeks, you just put your name and how many people are with you. All right? If you are a guest, you would fill that out so that we would be able to connect with you at Guest Relations. But on the bottom of that Connect card is going to be a prayer request. And, and those are going to be filled out to be prayed over on Wednesday nights. But it's important. If you pray a prayer of salvation or rededication, there's going to be a place to check on there because we want to follow up with people who, who are saved in our services. And we want to, we want to make sure that, that we're able to know that that's taking place so that we can be accountable not only 
to God, but also to the GROW network that we're a part of. And so, everybody prepare yourself that there is a Connect card coming at the beginning of September, all right? And it's going to have a a great impact on our church. That's what I want to do. If you need prayer today, our prayer partners are up here to pray with you. We believe in the power of agreeing prayer that if we pray together concerning it, that God is going to hear that prayer. If you don't need prayer, I say a great big God bless you. Wednesday night, I'm continuing the series, Pray First. I think it's an important thing to hear. Other than that, I say God bless you. Next Steps 201 is right here in the auditorium in five minutes. I say God bless you.